Acts chapter 1. We will commence with verse number 6. When they, therefore, were come together, they asked Jesus, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey." This morning I'd like us to consider an underrated doctrine. Jesus ascended. September 8th of last year was a sad day, I think, for for all the world, but especially for Great Britain. Queen Elizabeth passed away. I hear that she was a good and, and godly woman. On that day, her son Charles acceded to the throne. He became king. If my math is correct, Saturday, May 6th of this year, Charles will be crowned as king 240 days after his accession or acquisition of kingship. So 240 days will intervene between his accession and his coronation. Queen Elizabeth's time was more than doubled. Her father, King George, died February 6, 1952. And Queen Elizabeth was coronated June 2, 1953 for a total of 482 days. But the Lord Jesus Christ's accession and coronation trumps any earthly ruler. We might say that his accession was the day of his resurrection, but his coronation is the day of his ascension. Now, yes, technically he's always been the king, but there is a sense in which as the God-man, he became king of salvation when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. This is a unique event. It will not be repeated. The pomp and pageantry of the English or the British coronation is certainly spectacular and impressive. However you think of Charles, It will be with much pomp and pageantry on Saturday, May the 6th. 
But may I say that the pomp and pageantry of Jesus Christ was exceedingly greater. But it was behind the scenes. The disciples got to see a little bit about Jesus' uh, coronation proceedings when they saw him ascend up into heaven. But those behind the veil, those in heaven, were the ones to experience the entrance of Jesus Christ, his seating and his coronation. Heaven is a very happy place, but it is a place where they sense the royalty of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Abel to the dying thief, saints and angels exalted in the return of Jesus Christ to heaven. As I said, the disciples caught a brief glimpse of what I call an underrated event the ascension of Jesus Christ. I think it is underrated. We hear much of His birth and His life and His death and His resurrection, and we should, but we don't often hear about His ascension. Do you know there are no fewer than 17 books of the Bible that give reference to or an inference of the the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ? I suppose that many pulpits will sound with the doctrine of the ascension the day after um, the coronation of King Charles. And it's appropriate to think of the parallel between the coronation of an earthly monarch and the coronation of the heavenly monarch. We need to keep that in mind. It's interesting how when King Uzziah died, as Isaiah records it, The the nation mourned, but God wanted them to see that there was a king that will never die, that continues to sit, as it were. He saw the Lord high and lifted up. I think also when we see monarchs, uh, kings or queens, presidents or prime ministers, as it were, crowned, coronated, that we need to keep in mind that they are mortal beings, finite creatures, But there is one who is infinite and immortal that sits upon his throne in heaven. If only we could keep that in view. You know, the church is a monarchy. It is not a republic or a democracy. Jesus sits upon the throne. He is king of every one of his local churches. Jesus is our king. We are his sheep. We are his servants. So I believe that this is some, a, a doctrine that should comfort and cheer us as we live in this sad earth, as we sang earlier. You know, Paul spoke of Jesus' ascension. For instance, in Ephesians 4, he ascended far above all the heavens. Peter preached about his ascension at Pentecost. Chapter 2 of Acts being by the right hand of God exalted. He spoke of David not being ascended, but Jesus being ascended. David was buried and his his body received decomposition, but Jesus did not decompose. But he, after his resurrection, ascended to heaven. And he preached also in chapter, recorded in chapter 3, 
whom the heavens must receive. John spoke of Jesus' ascension. Remember in Revelation chapter 12, the child was caught up unto God and to His throne. And so this doctrine is, is sprinkled all throughout Scripture. May I say, even the inferences from the Old Testament. Enoch, it says, God took him. Well, that's what happened to Jesus. God took him. And it, so we can say Enoch, what we call it, he was raptured, but he ascended to heaven. And so certainly there's an inference of the fact that, that the ascension of Jesus was something that was a picture prophecy by not only Enoch, but Elijah who went up. And we find Psalm 24 that we sang earlier, Open the gates of heaven and the King of glory shall come in. That's a prophecy of the ascension and coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The King of glory enters into heaven. In Isaiah 14, there's a usurpation of the devil. He says, I will ascend. I will ascend. And the devil is a usurper. He's called the God of this world. He is the king of sin. He's the king of iniquity. So I'd like us just to think about the, the ascension and coronation of the Lord Jesus Christ to cheer our hearts and to challenge us to keep this in mind, to know that we are living in the victory of Christ. and We are anticipating His glorious return. He will stand up from His seat one day and, and the gates will open this time to cause Him to exit. And He will return in power and great glory to set up His everlasting kingdom. Well, as we... Look at the passages throughout Scripture, and especially in the New Testament, we find that Jesus accepts His royal ascension. Jesus accepted the plan that He would ascend to heaven. Think about the comparison, how lowly it was for Jesus in the beginning. In obscurity, only a few people knew about the incarnation of the Son of God, His birth in Bethlehem. Just lowly parents and they didn't even have room in the inn for them. And we find that some poor shepherds heard. Of course, all of heaven knew about this. The jubilation was beyond our sight, but some angels came down as, as, in a choir as, as uh, the shepherds understood. And they praised God. Glory to God in the highest. But mostly it was, it was obscure and, and private in nature. The Lord Jesus, when He ascended to heaven, went up gloriously, went up in the sight of the apostles. And perhaps there was an, an angelic escort in some of the language. We're told He was taken up. Acts chapter 1, verses 2, 11, and 22. He's gone into heaven, Peter said. A cloud received Him out of their sight. Out of, yes, out of their sight. He was received into heaven, Mark 16. He was carried up into heaven, Luke 24. Over and over again we see that He had a, a glorious exit. An ascension, it's called. And even though the Roman Catholics say that Mary had a blessed assumption, she didn't. There's no indication that Mary 
went to heaven assumed or as in an ascension. But Jesus had the blessed assumption. Don't let any religion uh, rob Jesus of his glory. Mary had to die like the rest of us. And her, her body like David is decomposed. She was a sinner saved by grace. She didn't have a, uh, an immaculate conception. Jesus did. And she didn't have a blessed assumption. But Jesus did. Called His ascension. The Bible indicates that He created space between Himself and the apostles. It says in Luke 24-51, the authorized version says, he, he parted from them. The word is He withdrew from them. You can just picture that, can't you? I don't know if there was a lot of wind involved or what was involved, but maybe, maybe that someone would have caught his tail, his, his, uh, his robe, and, and would have wanted to go with him. But he, he made distance. He created distance between himself and his apostles. And then he was escorted, as it were, to heaven. What a difference between the Pope Mobile and those, you ever seen those, those uh, portable thrones when they carry his chair? He's usurping authority. But the Lord Jesus went up, like Elijah, he didn't have to go up in a chariot. He went up in a cloud. And it seems to indicate that there were attendants to his ascension. The Lord Jesus Christ accepted his kingly ascension. Wasn't that fitting of him? He just didn't disappear. He was appearing and disappearing during the 40 days that He was on the earth. And that was to get the disciples ready for His not being able to see His body. He didn't want them to depend on His physical presence. That He was going to be in heaven uh, reigning as the King of the church and the King of the universe. And so He would appear and He would disappear. Appear and disappear. We didn't simply disappear. They were there. He let them see, just like uh, Elijah's servant, Elisha. He let him see this. And apparently some of the, the, the students, the seminarians, were able to see it from a distance. And Jesus allowed His seminarians, if, as you will, if you will, to, to watch Him ascend. I don't know how far they were able to see Him go up, but enough to be able to say that He's gone. And I don't think they had the same attitude as Elisha. Elisha was terribly disappointed, if you remember. He said, My father, my father. And I don't, all I know is the angels seemed to indicate that they were gawking. They were, they were taking too much time. And, the, and the, the angels said, Get busy. As you see him go up into heaven, so he shall return. And so they, they went to Jerusalem and went into the upper room and, and had ten days of prayer before the Holy Spirit descended. The Holy Spirit could not descend unless the Jesus had ascended as Jesus had told His disciples. But Jesus accepted this glorious exit from earth. Didn't He deserve it as the King of kings and Lord of lords after atoning for our sins? Rising from the dead, wasn't it appropriate that He ascended on high? Ephesians 4.8 He ascended up. He was caught up to God. Tell me, can there be any, any more modern transportation than that? 
And you know there are people that say, how could it be? Do we think it's incredible for God to cause someone to ascend when we, when we send rockets up into space? Certainly before the time. The Lord's the one that put all this, this uh, um, science, as it were, this knowledge. It was already there from the very beginning. And the Lord was saying that He is not uh, confined to our modes of transportation. What a comfort to you and me. How am I going to get to heaven when I die? It's a long way away. We leave that to the Lord. The Bible tells us that an angel brought Lazarus into Abraham's bosom. You say, well, it's a billion year, light years away. Is it? Maybe it's closer than we think, than we can imagine. But of His own power... Jesus ascended into heaven. He is a glorious Savior. Secondly, the ascension tells us that Jesus took a victor's passage when He went to heaven. We're told in Psalm 68 in Ephesians 4, He led captivity captive. And there are different opinions about what that means, but that the Lord, as it were, had prisoners taken that uh, when He earned our eternal life. That the devil was given a knockout blow. And we're told that Jesus pierced the heavens in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. The tremendous text that tells us something of the kind of ascension that Jesus took. Hebrews 4 and verse 14 says, seeing that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Passed through, it says, or passed into, verse 14. That's the same word used when um, it was Simon that told Mary that, that a sword will pierce you when you come to the point when Jesus is crucified. So the idea is Jesus pierced through the heavens. It was like a victor going right past all his foes. As it were, the devil had to step out of the way when Jesus ascended to heaven. Matter of fact, he was the prisoner taken captive. The devil is on a long chain and all his demons. It's the same word used of Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He's got to go right through Samaria to get to Galilee because He has souls to save. It's used of Jesus when they wanted to, to stone Him. It says He went right through the midst of them. It's an amazing thing how Jesus just took as a victor right past His enemies. Jesus, as He ascended to heaven, what could the devil do, brother and sister? The devil could not stop Jesus from living for us. He could not stop Jesus from dying for us. He could not stop Jesus. So he had to step out of the way with all his demons as Jesus pierced through the heavens. That's the language of a victor passing through. Remember our beloved Dr. Ian Paisley when he was a parliamentarian in uh, the France Parliament, the British Parliament, that the parliamentarian that the president had invited the Pope to the parliament 
And they were supposed to debate if they had any religious leader or anyone that was brought in. They could debate in the parliament before the person was actually brought to the meeting. But they, they, they bypassed the, uh, the, the, the debate. So Dr. Paisley said, okay, you bypassed the, 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 the privilege of us debating this invitation, so I'm going to take the liberty to protest when he speaks. And so Dr. Paisley said that he had all these placards that were folded in his coat pocket and he was going to pull them out. He was going to give the Pope a few words from the podium and he was going to speak about him being an antichrist and a false prophet. And so he was going to the parliamentarian that day in in France and he said when he got to the stairs... His seat was in the, in the, uh, on the second tier in, in the balcony. He said there were a whole bunch of people at, on purpose trying to prevent him getting to his seat. And he said, I'm just going to be like one of those, uh, he called it, I think, a rugby player. He's just going to put his head down and he's going to go right through him. And he pierced right through that wall of security and got to his seat and gave the Pope about seven or eight words and said, I detest you as an antichrist. And, and one at a time, they kept pulling his placards from us and from him, and so he, he kept pulling out. He had about five or six. And you know, uh, uh, one of the parliamentarians from, from uh, Vienna, or what's what that country, um, no, the stress, the, Austria, yet punched him in the back in his... In his uh, liver and he felt the effects of it the rest of his life but he pierced through the adversaries seeking to honor Christ and trying to discourage people to think that the Pope was a, a godly religious leader the Lord Jesus pierced through the heavens and took his place at the right hand of God the devil and his demons had to get out of their way so we remember that the ascension was the ascension of a victorious warrior, the captain of our salvation, piercing through the heavens, past all his and our adversaries. No one could stop Jesus from being born. No one could stop him from living for us or dying for us or rising from us for us, but no one could stop him from ascending. Thirdly, the ascension speaks of Jesus receiving a royal welcome. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. If once wasn't enough, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Jesus receives such a royal welcome. As it were, the, 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 the heralds were blowing their bugles and blowing their horns. And all of heaven converged toward the gates as the King came into heaven. What a scene that must have been. It says in Mark, He was received into heaven. That's a word that speaks of being welcomed. It's also, remember that that text that speaks of an early 
um, Christian confession. 1 Timothy 3.16 He was manifest in the flesh. He was... Um, he was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the Spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on in the world. And what's the last one? He was received up into glory. That confession speaks of His ascension. It's used, for instance, in Luke where it says that when the time was come that He should be received up. You see that little obscure passage in Luke 9.51 Jesus was already speaking of His ascension. Looking beyond the cross in that point. For the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. The joy of being ascended to heaven. The joy of taking His wounds there and pleading His blood for the salvation of His elect. This word is used of Paul being welcomed into the boat. Paul apparently said, you take the boat. I want to go on land and I want to greet people along the way that I know and they weren't too happy of going without Paul. And the time came where Paul said, okay, I'm tired. I want to get back in the boat. Remember on his way, one of his journeys, and it says that they took in Paul. They welcomed him. Ephesians 6, we're to welcome the whole armor of God because we desperately need as soldiers to stand against the wiles of the devil. And in 2 Timothy, interestingly, Paul, who was so discouraged by Mark, who departed from them on his first missionary journey, he says, take Mark now, for he is profitable for the ministry. The same word, welcome Mark, Timothy. He's no longer a turncoat. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to the Lord. Welcome him as a partner now. Don't be suspicious of him. Jesus was welcomed into heaven. What a royal welcome. You can only imagine people bowing down on their faces and bowing the knee. And the, the, the shouts of jubilation, the choirs that were singing of the victory of Christ. That's the kind of place heaven is today. Heaven is a place of victory, a place of royalty, a place of the sense of the monarchy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You watch the pomp and pageantry. Think about heaven being ten times a million times more pomp and pageantry and joy and jubilation than what you'll observe in London, England in May of this year. Fourthly, the ascension speaks of Jesus who earns a long-awaited coronation. Yes, we believe that His coronation took place at that point. Just like Charles has been king since September 8th of last year. But he will be coronated as king on May 6th. The Bible tells us that these things happened when Jesus went into heaven. Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Psalm 110. He sat down. Hebrews 1.3 and 10.12 Being on the right hand of God, exalted. The King of Glory came in, Psalm 24. The Bible says he, he, he sat on the right hand of God, Ephesians 1.20. He entered within the veil, Hebrews 6.20. He sat on the right hand of the throne of the Majesty on high, Hebrews 8 and 12. He entered into heaven itself. 
I sat down with my Father in His throne. Revelation 3.21 He sat on the right hand of God. Mark 16, verse 19. This is the language of one being crowned as king. One sitting. There was no seat in the tabernacle in the, in the temple. The priests were constantly moving. They were standing. They were never seated. Their work, in other words, was never completed because they weren't the final priest, the final king, the final prophet. But when Jesus went to heaven, He sat down. They're going to sit Charles and they're going to crown Him on His throne. When Jesus sat, they crowned Him Lord of all. We just sang, crown Him. Crown Him. Crown Him Lord of all. Is that the way we live? We live crowning Christ. Any, any crowns that we may earn, the Bible says they cast their crowns at His feet. Yes, there's a dual sense of Christ's kingship. As God, He's always been king. But as man, He became the King of salvation, the King of glory. He subdues us to Himself. He protects us from our enemies. And He vanquishes all our foes. Jesus wore the Stephanus crown when He was crucified. The Bible says they put a crown. They weaved. They wove a crown of thorns. The word is Stephanos. You know what the word is when it says in Revelation 19.18 His eyes were as a flame of fire and His head and on his head were many diadems. That's the crown of the king. The crown of the, of the warrior. The crown of the one who has, has run the race is the Stephanus crown. That's what's used of, of you and me of having the Stephanus crowns upon our heads. The Lord Jesus now wears the diadem. The diadem. Crown Him with many crowns. The idea is not that He has many heads. It says He has one head with many crowns. It speaks the plurality of majesty. The crown is tiered. The crown is full of jewels. The crown is splendid and spectacular. It speaks of His nature. It speaks of His victory. Jesus, indeed, earns a long-awaited coronation. Just let that sink in. Jesus is crowned in heaven. How He's cursed on earth. How He was crowned with thorns to die for our sins. His name is taken in vain left and right. But the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess He's Lord. The devil will have to confess He's Lord. He's Lord of all. We just spoke this morning on the reason annexed to the third commandment. God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. The day is coming when the Lord will retrieve all the glory that has been denied him by wicked people. Jesus earns his coronation. Jesus takes the universal reign. He's on the right hand of God. Peter says angels and authorities and powers being made subject to Him. He must reign till He hath put all enemies under His feet. Now we begin to spill over into the doctrine of His session. He's now seated at God's right hand. That's a whole different doctrine. But the ascension led into 
His session, His universal reign. Jesus, unlike, unlike Charles, is not a constitutional monarch. We all know that Charles does not have power. He has pomp and pageantry. He has, he has the image. And he is honored by the British for being a king, but he's a constitutional monarch. The Lord Jesus Christ is not a constitutional monarch. He is a monarch with power, with teeth, with authority. Jesus is the executive. He is the legislative. He is the judicial. He is the one who's ruling. He is the one that makes the laws. He is the one that judges those who break His laws. Jesus is the King. He is the lawmaker. He is the judge. His ascension and session coincided just like His resurrection led to His ascension. He bears the scepter and He doesn't bear it in vain. The Bible says when Jesus ascended, He gave gifts to men. You know the image of the, the victor. And the victors, they plundered the cities that they, that they overcame. And when they went to their capital city, what did they do? In the procession, in the parades, they were throwing the gifts that they had received from the plunder to the people that were cheering in the procession. And so the picture is Jesus, as He ascends and as He sits at God's right hand, He gives to the church their gifts. He gives to the church your gifts, as we read in Ephesians 4, prophets and evangelists and teachers and preachers and all of us who have gifts. He gives to the, to the church the gifts of, of administration, the gifts of mercy, and all the gifts that we find in the Scriptures. He is indeed a gracious and a powerful monarch. And you know, heaven's atmosphere is Christocentric. And it's, here's a word, monarchical. That's the atmosphere of heaven. And I wonder why it's not the church so often. We don't have an atmosphere of, of Christ-centeredness or the fact that we are in the kingdom of God. There's a monarch reigning over us. This, the atmosphere of the church should be monarchical. It should be. We have a king. You know, we're not used to that because we're in a republic. But the, the countries in the past and still some countries today recognize a monarchy. That which is secure. The power is in the king, in the queen. Oh, that our church would have, therefore have a fearless atmosphere. An evangelistic atmosphere. We have a king who rules over the universe. He has sway everywhere. And some of you received that text today. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Pray for missionaries who are reaching souls. Jesus is the King. He's the King everywhere. And finally, Jesus and His ascension anticipates His glorious second coming. That's what the angels said. Then appeared to them two men in white apparel, saying, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come as ye have seen Him go into heaven. Just like you watched Him leave. You watched Him ascend. As Proverbs 30 says, He's going to descend. He's going to descend again. 
but this time in power and great glory. The last days leading up to His glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, it took how many days for... How many days will it take for Charles to be coronated? 240. It took Elizabeth 482 days to be coronated. Our Savior, 40. It was merely 40 days. That was enough time to prove that He was risen from the dead. We're told that He was seen 40 days as infallible proof that it was the bodily resurrected Christ. This word, this number 40 speaks of, of testing. It was a time of verification and certification that He's alive. Sufficient to prove infallibly that Jesus made atonement for our sins and rose from the dead. Ascension Thursday was accentuated by the Lord Jesus Christ going up. It's the only other day that we know for sure that Jesus appeared to His disciples. We're told He appeared on Sundays. The first and the second Sunday. We're told that He appeared somewhere between the two Sundays at the Sea of Galilee. But we know that He appeared on Thursday because it was 40 days after His resurrection. Do the math. It was Ascension Thursday. What an indelible image to punctuate the disciples' faith and to stir courage. Unlike so often when you hear, isn't it? We, we think of a loved one who passes in our presence. We often say something like, He's gone. She's gone. But you know, if they knew the Lord, they're only gone visually. Their souls with the Lord. That poor woman that was walking her dog along a pond in Florida a couple months ago. We're told that an alligator came out after her dog and she tripped and the alligator grabbed her leg and pulled her into the water. And the neighbor came out with some kind of pole to help her. And she, she, she broke surface once. And then as the neighbor tried to get her to take the pole, the alligator took her underwater and the neighbor's expression, you could hear it on the phone. She's gone. She's gone. But that's unlike our Savior. Our Savior to glory is gone, but He's not gone for good. He's gone in a positive sense. He's alive. He's well. He sat down at the right hand of God. Heaven was full of jubilation when the King of glory, scars and all, went to heaven and took His seat. You know, we're told that the royal standard will fly over Buckingham Palace when the monarch is in. You know that the royal standard always, always, always flies over heaven. The monarch is always in. He never will leave. He doesn't take vacations from His, his reign. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Brother and sister, take heart. Jesus ascended to heaven. Jesus took His seat. He's crowned their Lord of all. Let us bow the knee. Let us worship the King. Let us make Him known. Let us submit to His glorious and gracious reign.
And let us, like priests and kings, serve Him, praying for sinners, pleading the power of His blood that people would be saved before they exit this earth. Jesus ascended. It is an underrated doctrine. Let's not let it continue to be. Jesus is ascended to heaven. Amen. Lord, thank You for this glorious truth. Oh Lord, it must have been a great privilege for our brothers, the apostles, Your disciples, to see Your exit. Lord, we read that they were disappointed, they were saddened. But oh, how it caused their, their joy and their, their inspiration to serve Thee and even to die in such cruel deaths because they knew that You are the King. They knew that You were seated on the right hand of God. They knew, Lord, as, as was said of Stephen, that You stood up when Your servants were martyred and, were, and You were anticipating their, their welcome into heaven. Oh Lord, help us to live with your, your reign in view. To live with Your life, with Your death, with Your resurrection, with Your ascension, with Your reign, with Your second coming in view. We often forget these, Lord, and we live so worldly, so defeated. Forgive us. Revive us. You are ascended from earth. You are ascended to heaven. What a blessed assumption You had. Lord, You're going to have a blessed return, a glorious return. Please help us to live more, more holy lives, to live more obedient lives, to live more confidently in Thee. Forgive us for our fear of man and our love of this world. We pray, Lord, that You would please revive us. Forgive our sins. Use us to, to spread abroad Your fame, to see sinners saved, to see backsliders restored. Oh, build Your church, Lord. You're the King of the church. Save sinners. Add to the churches. Lord, may this be a market day, a glorious day of the conversion of souls. It's Your day. It's the Lord's day. It's the Sabbath day. Bless, Lord, throughout the world. We pray this in Your name. Amen.